I think at one point or another, we all question who we are. We question where we came from, what we were meant to do with our lives, what is our identity, who are we known for, what is our reputation? These are all questions that we ask ourselves over the course of our lives, typically in many different seasons, and we tend to question our identity when we lose what we thought our identity was. And it can be a really tiring journey. It can feel exhausting and it's sometimes even discouraging. So today I want to talk about our identity, who we are, who we are in Jesus, and how do we handle the grief when we lose what we thought our identity was. So, as always, let's just jump right in. Hey friends, I'm Cassie, and I'm a married Spoonie who lives the chronic illness life. Here each week, I'll challenge you to live intentionally and authentically, where every spoon you use has a purpose and every step you take matters. Welcome to Chronically Cultivating. So I'm really excited to talk about this today, considering this podcast has been almost two years in the making. I have been on this relentless journey to determine and figure out who I am. I feel like I have lost and gained more titles um, and identities than really one should ever have to have. I feel like I have grieved so much of who I thought I was and that it has taken me quite a long time to accept who I really am. And I know that I am not alone in that struggle. You see, this journey to discovering who I am really started when I knew that things were changing. I found out pretty quickly in 2018 that I couldn't walk and that I couldn't even use crutches because my shoulders were just shot and I moved to a wheelchair full time. This was a huge adjustment. Now we still had our business at this point and I just deliberately did not close it. And I didn't want to hold off on closing it because I thought that I was going to get better. To be honest with you, I knew that that wasn't going to happen. But I couldn't bear the thought of losing another title. Losing another huge part of my identity. I didn't feel like I could bear and grieve that loss again. So I put it off for an entire year until God, you know, really put me in a place where I had to give it up. And I tried, I clutched onto that for dear life, but ultimately I needed to let it go. And one of the things that I struggled with around this time was that I was dealing with some really serious harassment and I was being told that I was too joyful 
to be sick. And then I was looking at the other half of my life and seeing that I was too sick to be able to continue to work and walk and do all sorts of other things. And I felt lost. I felt like I had no place. I started just going to the Lord and saying, where do I belong? I don't understand. And I can't do this. That was a huge, huge change of going, all right, well, I'm stuck in the middle and I don't know where I belong. So I have my actual journal in front of me. So if you hear me flipping pages, it's because I'm sharing bits and pieces of this with you and all that has gone on. And I want to share some of the uncomfortable revelations that have come to me in this that are the honest truth that I wish someone was able to tell me because I spent so long trying to figure it out on my own when I didn't need to. So my hope is that by the time that we finish today, that this will give you a better idea of how to figure out who you are in Christ. So if we're going to talk about who we are, I want to start off with a couple basic things that we know from the Word of God, things that I had to really dig deep into to start this process. So the first thing is determining who we are. And one of the ways that we look at who we are and we look at our identity as seeing where did we come from? Who were we created to be like, right? Those are things that we look at. So in Genesis 1:27 it says, "So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them." So to point out, it says three times that God created us and two times that we were created in his image. I feel like the reason he was so repetitive in this verse was because he didn't want to leave any room for misunderstanding. He created us in his own image. We were created in the likeness of God. God is perfect. God is loving. God is holy. God is special. Like, oh, there's so many things, right? He is intentional and we were created in that likeness, which means we're going to crave perfection. We're going to crave intentional living. We're going to crave relationship. All of these things come from him. And now we're given free will. And as we know, shortly after this verse, the first sin was committed and life changed. We weren't living in the perfect Garden of Eden that God had designed us for. We were living in sin. And now we're stuck in the middle. We've gone from the garden to where we're at now and we're waiting to go to heaven and to be in true fellowship with him like he created us originally for. So what do we do though in this middle ground? As we're figuring that out. Well, I think it's also important to note that we were designed intentionally. And if we were designed intentionally, that means that we were also designed to live intentionally. We all have choices that we can make. And 
So that's one of the first things to note right off the bat is that we are made in his image and we are made to live intentionally. And then we want to think about, okay, well, what, what did he have to say about us when he created us? Well, right in, um, the Psalms, we see in Psalm 139, 13 and 14, that he created us and knit us together. He purposefully made each of us unique. And now I have some issues with the Message Bible um, because it is more of an interpretation of the Word of God rather than a translation, but I love the interpretation um, interpretation, there we go, uh, that, you know, is made in the Message Bible. And it says, oh yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God. You are breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing into something. Now, for many people with chronic illnesses, I think we can struggle to feel marvelously made. You know, I have a gene that is screwed up in my body that does not allow me to produce good collagen screws up everything. I don't feel marvelously made. And I have struggled with that and dealt with that. That was kind of one of the beginning parts of my journey in 2018 was having a doctor, you know, honestly tell us that a lot of my body is garbage. 40% of our body is made up of connective tissue, which means that 40% of me is defective. And that is is so hard to hold on to, right? And if you want to hear me and my mom actually go super deep into this verse, head back to episode two, and we talk all about how God doesn't make garbage. And it's it's to this date, I think, one of the most popular podcasts, even though it was the second one and was done back in um, 2019. But it is really helpful. And anyways, thinking back to this though, I think we can struggle with feeling like we're marvelously made when we don't look like what the world tells us marvelously made looks like. And that's of course because the world is going to differ from the word of God because we're not in the Garden of Eden anymore. So in 2020, you know, I had come to the point where I had recognized, okay, I have officially like truly let go of our business. I stopped, you know, keeping my death grip on it. And I allowed myself to determine that that part of everything was done. And the reason it took so long to let that go is because there was so much of my identity made up in that. And I wasn't ready to lose another thing. I feel like with a chronic illness, whether it's progressive or not, you know, you constantly lose pieces of you, pieces of who you were and you wanted to be in dreams. And, oh, it's so heavy 
and I didn't know what to do. And I had started really looking into who God created me to be. And I was feeling by the time we got to 2020, pretty secure in who I was. I was a child of God and I was just going off of that and, you know, both feet hit the floor. Imagine that I'm able to run, right? That's kind of what I took from that. And that year and a half of searching. And then I started um, a devotional about confidence. And it was mainly, though, about identity and learning who you are in Jesus. And so I want to talk about two things that I noticed as I was going through this devotional. One, it talked way more about Jesus than it did me. There was a lot of he and not a lot of me. And then the second thing that I noticed was that it really, really pointed out some hard truth. And I want to share that with you because I think that it is important to take note of these couple things. So first off, as I'm going through my Write the Word journal. So this is from Cultivate What Matters and they have different Write the Word journals where you basically um, go through and you have verses picked out for you every day that you write out and then you have a prayer space. So me thinking that this is going to be a cakewalk and a great just refresher to knowing who I am in Christ. And this is what I get for being arrogant. I started seeing some verses that in my mind didn't make sense because they weren't talking about me. Hmm. Just think about that. And I got to one verse in particular that I actually didn't understand why it was in my journal. When I, t I, I say this and I cannot believe that I truly thought this because it is horrible. But in there, John 3, 16 came up, which is for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believeth in him shall have everlasting life, right? So I actually questioned why that verse would be in a journal about our identity. And guys, when we ask the Lord to convict us, he does. And all of a sudden, what I started realizing, because I sat there and I really wanted to think about it, and I was pondering this for a few days, I could not understand why that verse would be in there. That has nothing in my brain to really do with me. And that is the entire point. He didn't send Jesus because I was great or because I was worthy, or because I was beautiful, or because I was special, or you were, none of that. He sent Jesus here because he loved us. He loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us so that we could have a relationship with him. Wow. Our identity is made up in him. 
And we can't have an identity in him if we cannot fellowship with him. And so because of our sins and that break of communication and ability to be one with him, he sent his son here. In Romans, it talks about how, you know, Christ brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and that we should confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. And I sit there and I think of just this undeserved privilege. This was not about us. And I, as I'm digging in, I'm, I just, after that verse, I understood the recurring theme. Of course, it's going to talk about him. In Psalm 42 through 3, it talks about how he lifted us. He set us up. He has given us. He has done. In Colossians, it talks about how God has made us alive. In Ephesians, it talks about he saved us by his grace. He has brought us to a place of undeserved privilege. These are all things that he did for us because he loved us. Wow. And this got me very uncomfortable. This made me uncomfortable because I didn't want to recognize who I was. Because if I say, yes, my identity is in him, that means that I am admitting to the fact that I am a sinner and that it is not about me. Oh, and don't we love it when things are about us? I mean... I was almost disappointed when I started seeing scripture that made me uncomfortable that was talking about how I was a sinner and how he was the good and not me. And this was a heart check moment for me because I had to ask myself why I felt this way. Why did I feel so uncomfortable? And it was because I was being told that... I wasn't as special or worthy as I thought I was and that I can't be those things without him because I am a sinner. And if I don't keep that to the forefront of my mind, then I'm going to ultimately glorify myself and put my identity back in my own hands. And I think we can all say if we've learned anything from 2020, um, it's that we as humans and just here on this earth, are not reliable. And if I'm going to put my identity in something, I want it to be sure. And this was the verse that really brought all of this to a head. And I got to this verse a couple days after I had been pondering why was John 3.16 in this devotional. And this is where I got... In 1 Timothy 1, 15 through 16, it says, This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. Let that sink in there. Christ Jesus came 
to the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of all of them. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Wow. What I had to come to understand was that if I was not able to accept the fact that I was a sinner, that I am a human, which means I am the worst, and that nothing good comes apart from him, then I can't begin to truly understand who I am because I'm only listening to what the world says that I am and I'm limited by that. The world tells us we need all these titles and labels and just we're basing everything off of opinions and feelings. We want to feel worthy. We want to feel special. We want to feel loved. We want to be successful and make all of the money, right? And be as healthy as possible, all of these things. And we have got to remember that feelings do not equal truth. This moment of repentance was so important because it was the day that out of the past two years, I was finally actually getting it. I was not just focusing on who I am in Christ, but I was recognizing what I needed to identify as to live in Christ. And that was that I am a sinner and I am the worst of them all. And that same day, I prayed a prayer of repentance and I'll share a bit of it with you. I had said, Lord, thank you for reminding me that I am a sinner and that I am the worst. Humans are the worst because we are not you. I'm sorry for my desire for titles and fame. I'm sorry for harboring resentment and grudges. I'm sorry for not keeping you at the center. I'm sorry that my big fat ego and protective mouth gets in the way. And I ask him to help me to do better, to remember my place and my privilege. This was a huge moment of truth. And this repentance leads to such great freedom. In Galatians 5, 1, it says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and not let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Now, keeping that freedom is hard, but we have to first step into that freedom before we can attempt to keep it. You can't have something, like you can't focus on making something better and holding on to it if you don't have it in the first place. So we have to remember that by saying it's not about us and by saying, Lord, I am only good in you and that we're accepting the worst parts of ourselves and filling us with the best parts of him, that is where we're going to find freedom. And any time, though, that we try to take our identity or our reputation or our title in this world back into our own hands, we lose that freedom. Because we're doing a job we were never meant to do. We were never meant to be anything other than his. Okay? So if we were meant to never be anything other than his, 
And now we're in a world where we are bombarded by things that are not of him. And the promise of fame or the promise of a title that will make you feel worthy. Well, all of those things are going to fall short because they're not him. Okay, so that is where I was like, all right, Lord, I'm starting to get this. I'm starting to get my feet wet. I'm understanding like, let's give this a try. And so we continue in that. And I love how it just goes on to talk about the fact that, you know, when we turn to the Lord, he reveals himself to us and that there's freedom there. But we have to choose to stay in that freedom and stand firm. Because we can't identify with the world and with God at the same time. It's not possible. I can't identify as anything other than his if I'm going to truly be his. We can't be lukewarm. We have to be on one side or the other. And as an example of the difference of these things... The world says we're loved because we are, insert, maybe you're a great mom or a grateful wife. Enter in anything there. You're loved because you do good. You're loved because you get good grades. You're like anything in there. That's what the world says. But when we're looking at what God is saying, it's saying We are loved because we're his. We don't have to do anything. We're just loved because we're his. Whereas when we are identifying in a worldly way, we have to, it's saying we're loved because we are. Whereas in the word, it's saying we're loved because he is. And there is a promise that comes when we live in his freedom And it is so, so beautiful. It says in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, God saved you by his grace and you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. It is a perfect reminder of every single thing that we've talked about. This verse sums everything up so beautifully. We are saved by him. We are loved by him. It is an undeserved privilege. And that we are masterpieces that were designed to live intentionally. Oh, so beautiful, right? When we live in who he has made us to be, we can do the things that he's intended for us to do. Because we've, the pressure is off. We're not loved because of what we do. We're loved because of who he is. And that's beautiful. And there are going to be times where, I mean, I remember going into this verse and I wrote it down right next to the verse. I wrote, I don't feel like a masterpiece. I feel like a mistake. And I know that I'm not a mistake. And I know that you knew the battles I would face. 
and that there would be good things that would come from this. And it's not your fault that sin's here. And I wrote, but this is too hard. I go on to talk about how I'm not strong enough and how much I need him. And that's because it's true. There was a freedom that came from saying, I am not strong enough to get through this. Well, friends, we were never designed to be strong enough because we were designed to be dependent on him, to be in fellowship with him. We're not created to do this all by ourselves. And, you know, I, I don't want to fill with many more points than this because I want us to be able to really fixate on these couple things. These things that took two years in the making to understand. And one of the best ways that you can start to do this practically in your own life is to declare truth. And what I started doing um, was going through my Bible and I would point out the truth about who he is. And then I would write about the truth of who he says I am. And I was able to just go through different verses and pick out what he said about me and who I really was and also recognizing who he is because I don't need to know who he's created me to be solely. I also need to know who he is because I'm made in the likeness of him, right? So we've got to pay attention to that. So I'm going to give you an example of a couple verses that I pulled this from. So basically what I would do is I would go through the word and I would say, all right, what is the truth that's found? So for instance, in Psalm 14:5, it says, but they are overwhelmed with dread for God is present in the company of the righteous. And what I took from that verse was the truth about God is that he is a present God. So that's an example of a truth that I would come to about God. And then I would find truths about who he says that I am. A truth about who God says I am can be found in many, many verses. But for example, Psalm 16, 11, where it says, You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And what I took from that was that he says I'm filled with joy when I'm in his presence. So I basically would just go through the word and I would be looking for truths about whether the scripture revealed who he was or who I am meant to be in him. And that was a great starting step. Um, another practical way to do this, if you would like to use the journal that I have been personally going through that really brought a lot of these revelations to light. I was using the Write the Word journal. Uh, the edition was Cultivate Confidence from, um, from Cultivate What Matters. And I have all the links and I go more in depth into these devotionals on my blog. So if you head to Living the Chronic Illness Life, you'll find it there. Um, but the one thing that I want to point out as well is as you're on this journey to be figuring out who you are, I need you to know that you are never going to be able to fully mold into who the world wants you to be because it's not realistic. And we're going to feel like we don't belong if we're trying to belong to something that isn't him. Of course, I didn't feel like 
I fit into the chronic illness community because I was in him. Of course, I didn't feel like I was worthy if I didn't have a job because I wasn't focused on being in him. We can't be focused on both of those things at the same time. We have to choose one. And I want you to just remember we're loved because he is, not because of who we are. And one of the things that really helped me in this time was to remember that I didn't need more self-help or self-care. I needed his help and his care, okay? So if you're focusing on finding your identity, go straight to the Word of God. Start there. That is the base foundation of everything. From there, move forward. Read Christian books from, you know, intentional authors and just focus on learning from people who are not going to lead you to self-care and self-help. They're going to lead you back to him because we need him to do this. Our identity, if it's going to be truly what it was supposed to be, which is in him, then we've got to start at his feet. So I hope that this has given you some things to think about as you're determining who you are and who God created you to be. And I want you to know that as I'm on this journey, because if he has taught me anything, it is that there is so much more for me to learn. Mm -hmm. And I'm never going to have it all together. But thank goodness, God is who he is. So I want to close us in prayer. Lord, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for getting my heart to a place that I could talk about this. And Lord, I thank you that two years in, you reminded me that I don't know it all. And that I am barely scratching the surface at all you have to show me about who I am in you. I pray that when I am tempted to feel pressure by allowing myself to live up to who I feel that I need to be and I'm focusing that on my own accomplishments, Lord, I pray that you would remind me that I'm not loved for my accomplishments. I'm loved because of who you are. Lord, I pray that you would help us all as we work to find our identity in you and that you would convict our hearts to truly see where our identity lies and that you would help us see where we are still placing our identity when we start to accidentally give pieces of it back into the world. Lord, I thank you for our time together. And I thank you so much for just making us so intentionally and beautifully and for giving us a heart that wants to know where we came from. We lift all these things up to you. Amen. Friends, as our time here comes to an end, I want you to know the resources don't stop here. Between blog posts, show notes, Instagram videos, and these podcast episodes right here, I have lots of free resources and tools for you to be able to continue cultivating right where you are. 
Whether it's cultivating an intentional life with your daily habits, starting a garden, setting goals, or simply resting well, you can cultivate an intentional life. Head to Living the Chronic Illness Life to access these wonderful resources.